0: On this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Brown, a top 100 podcaster, content creator, social media marketeer. He gets millions of views every single month. and He's also the owner of 8B Media. Paul, absolutely absolutely delighted to have you on board on the show, mate. We've been talking for, must be over a year now on LinkedIn. I've been watching your stuff with great interest and I'm um, really excited to have you on as a guest First, can you introduce yourself, give the audience a bit of a flavor of what you do? Uh, and also we're gonna delve a bit deeper into your
1: past as well. But just as an intro, Matt, I'd love to love for you to, to to take the floor. Excellent. Yeah, so my background similar to yourself, Chris. Uh, ex-recruitment and left that now in um social media, creating social media for clients, and that's videos and helping them with their social media marketing. So uh Filming, editing, and social media. That's it, basically.
0: A very distinctive approach to it with the baked beans. Was there any, just on that point, any, any reason behind that at all?
1: Yeah, I think I wanted something food, English related, and I wanted the word media in it. Baked bean was available. I was looking for something conflict, a bit wacky, a bit yeah. weird. And the closest one we got to like mischief media, um, the other contradiction. Conflict, weird one was Satan media, but wow, I don't think I could work with any churches if I did that. So, um, literally does
0: what it says on the tin, <laughs> but I wanted to talk to you really. Um, last month I did uh, a series. Interviewing twelve inspirational women, and we went quite raw and quite deep into some of their trauma and some of their adversity, and kind of touching on some of the conversations we had. Um, I know you've had some trauma and some adversity, but I'd quite like you to go back as early as possible and as deep as possible throughout your life and your career to where you are now, and um, we'll, we'll see where it takes us.
1: Yeah. So, so my background, as you said, is from Cornwall originally, and um, yeah, brought up. I think very. Uh, closed environment, not very, not very diverse, obviously in Cornwall, quite narrow minded did, but you know, I really love Cornwall, happy place as a, as a child. Um, my mum and dad separated before I was born. So, um, always brought up in a, in a separate, uh, life, had a stepfather, went through the, uh, went through the years and, um, mm always wanted to do get into chefing cooking so uh, was a chef left home when i was 18 and um moved to london as a as a as a chef um worked 7 days of the week working 15 20 hours a day just crazy hours mm. saving money working hard and uh, i bought a house not many people know this but i bought a house when i was 18 so um bought a property when i was young uh carried on cooking, traveled around the world cooking uh came back maybe i was twenty twenty ish and then uh just went f- fall fall in, in property so uh um buying selling, looking after property management down in Cornwall yeah and then um yeah then I moved into sales similar to yourself, recruitment really was entrepreneur during that time, but really lacked. Any corporate knowledge or experience, and I, I wanted to. I felt like I wanted to play with the big boys and uh, come to London, uh, back to London again, and uh, yeah, really uh, try and see how talented I was in the in a new world of corporate. So, uh, fourteen years, um, was one of the founders of a recruitment business and grew it from three of us all the way up to about hundred staff. Wow hundred staff. Yeah. How long did that take? Yeah, it was four, It was 14 years. And, um, you know, some periods of time we were growing, doubling every year. Sometimes obviously we were a bit tough. There were some uh, recessions in the middle of that. And, uh, but yeah, it was um, one of my jobs. First of all, I was a delivery consultant, um, resourcer in the recruitment world. Yeah. Uh, finding candidates and then moved on to 360 recruitment. Uh, I then went in-house to help with internal recruitment. Yeah. Uh was hiring about 60 people a year. Obviously, as you know, there's a high churn in recruitment. Mm. And uh, yeah, I left uh, the recruitment job probably about 18 months ago. Oh, right.
0: Okay. So that business, you were originally, you know, a hands-on kind of recruiter and then you well, then you kind of worked your way up to become a director and a uh,
1: was yeah exactly happened? yeah so um even though i was one of the founders i had to learn the trade so um yeah okay so yeah did delivery for a couple of years did the client side um the business restructured after about five years my market was being pushed out or changing so um yeah i took over internal recruitment so i mean anyone
0: in in recruitment who's run their own business knows you know Getting it above 10 people is, 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 is a challenge. Um, you know, there's kind of different levels. Isn't it? You get you get it above 10, you get it to 30, 40, but to get it to 100, which is the level that I got it to, I know what it takes to get that, that level of success, and it is no mean feat. Um, this is something I wasn't actually aware of. And also, the, the recent um, uh, time when you actually left that and, and went to build a marketing business. So what happened then? Did you kind of sell your shares or what, what
1: happened? Yeah. So, um, it was a, it was a real tough time. Actually. Um, I was happy in the organization. There's, there's no question, um, about that, but it was just, um, it was just tough in the aspect of, I wanted to probably be more maverick and probably wanted to do, more of my own thing but at the same time you know there was potential of 1 or 2 million pound worth of shares if we sold the business right. um so um yeah it was definitely a a tough time in in the aspect of do you do I wait f- 5 years potentially until that gets paid out or yeah. you know do you cut your losses and try and do something where you've got the freedom and you're and you can actually own something. So yeah, I was really on on the fence. I spoke to the other partners. Yeah. They had some they had some frustrations in the way I was working. I had some frustrations in the way that, you know, they were it was a executive search firm. Mm-hmm. So they wanted everything to be proper, which I respect, you know, they wanted everything to look corporate and be and my angle was, I'm networking with CEOs casually, having a beer, why not post stuff like that versus, okay. you know, everything has to be proper. And it was probably one of the reasons why I left in the end was simply because I felt that we were missing a trick, that we weren't necessarily being truthful or not, not saying we were hiding anything, but we just, I don't think... I don't think if you're in Germany with a client or a, and we've got a beer. I, I can't see a problem with that, but obviously, yeah. you know they want the, the corporate way of going. So it was a bit of a it was a bit of a different one, and it, it was literally I could have flipped a coin at that point. Do I stay swallow the pill or do I do my own thing? And yeah, I, I think at that point I just thought oh, waiting for so long maybe for the money is not the right decision and having the freedom to do something that I want to do maybe in new sectors it was in the German in the auto space now I could go and try and do things maybe in cooking and football and yeah. boxing and stuff that interests me so yeah I decided to uh, leave leave it all behind in set up my own business
0: well, this is this is called the Purpose Led Leadership podcast, and you know that I I talk about purpose and meaning and vision and values quite a lot. It seems that although it was a difficult decision, it probably wasn't because um, you know what you do now is different to what you did then. But was it a difficult decision, or was it a one where you, you know you didn't look back? Did you have do you have any regrets at all?
1: Yeah, I, I have zero regrets. It was tough because you've got. Um a leadership position and a steady income coming in
0: mm.
1: versus to now, which looks fun and exciting, bait B media, but yeah, um, you know, we pay ourselves a thousand pounds a month, you know. So going from a big six figure director salary, all right, um, going all the way down to something very small, it's, it's you know, it has been, you know, tough. And um no cutting costs and uh yeah but you know it's also been a good experience you know cutting back on designer things and yeah you know um really working out what you need in your life versus maybe what you think you needed in your life
0: was there anything that kind of brought you to that decision because with with myself um i built a similar size business 90 something heads we had 25 million pound turnover and it was all about the next office you know, for me it was the biggest watch, biggest house, biggest car, all that kind of stuff. And it was the biggest holiday. And I I kind of been there, done it, Monaco, Vegas, all that's, you know, all the all the all the stuff that you could ever wish and want for. Um, but I think when I kind of stepped away from that and kind of lost that business or, you know, wasn't part of it anymore, um, it really dawned on me that actually that wasn't really fulfilling me anyway. So it was more by luck than design, possibly for me. Um, but let's say things happen for you rather than to you. But going back to yourself, was there anything that kind of drove that decision apart from
1: you not feeling it? Or, or is it, does it go back to childhood? Or it, It's a really good point, uh, Chris. And uh, yeah, I've never really reflected it until discussing it now. But, you know, the people I worked with, I was really close. And we, we did a lot outside of work. Yes, you know, 100% friends for life you know there's no question about that but you know when we went out for beers on a on a friday together i very rarely stayed till midnight or the after party and i think that was a kind of indication that i really really enjoyed the trips away and having beers with them and spending time outside of work but you know staying out till the after party it really wasn't me. And it kind of, you know, I miss them, I see them, Of course I do. But, you know, I think even though I was part of the culture of the last business, you know, was it really me? I don't think it was. And, um, it's bizarre. I've never said this to anyone. You know, I loved the culture, but was it, was it really me? Mm. I, I don't think it, it it probably was, you know, I enjoyed it, but hand on heart, I I loved it, you know, but yeah. it just, um, yeah, there was like certain things that I didn't necessarily love and, you know, I like to chill out and just do my own thing, you know? So, um, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to put, the, pull into words, but it definitely wasn't, um, yeah, now that I've moved away and, you know, we do fun things in our new company, obviously we've had COVID, but bizarrely culture is not a massive thing for me going forward. You know, I've got friends that I spend time with outside of work, baby media culture doesn't have to be mm. Monaco, Vegas, all this, yeah. you know, like it is when you, when you are in recruitment and, and, uh, enjoying life.
0: I think that's right. I, I personally feel the landscape is changing. I think um, up until recently, most recruitment companies' incentives were to get pissed in Ibiza or, or, or whatever it was, you know. And I think you and I are probably good examples around. You know, not everyone wants that. Um, and, and, I, and I think that um, you talked about paying yourself a thousand pounds a month. Um, you know, which these days is hardly anything, is it? But what, what is what is more important to you? What is your purpose? You know, why are you doing what you're doing
1: then now
0: as opposed to what you were doing
1: back then yeah just the um the real ownership the real flexibility the real fun yeah and probably the the freedom the aspect of Mm. i don't have to report into anyone i have a business partner and we talk about things and we both keep in each other you know we keep on in line yeah so we don't do anything too crazy but you know, there's not that always thought over my head of like, hmm. you know, we must keep the client happy. We must try and get more money out of the client. We must, yeah. you know, we've got targets, targets. What am I doing this weekend to make sure that I make sure I hit my quarterly, my monthly targets. Yeah. You know, that pressure always over your head, um, you know we've scaled a business in the past that's, you know, and we keep hearing the buzzword, we must scale, 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 but I'll be really honest. Um, I would like to grow the business, mm-hmm. but I've got no plans to scale and to sell it to anyone and, yeah. you know, be the next gym shark guy or, you know, innocent, whoever gets bought out next, you know, if it's a nice business and it keeps me happy and it, there's maybe six, 10 people, and everyone's cool and healthy and good. I think that will bring me probably a lot more happiness than trying to have this Porsche outside. And yeah. look at me, I've sold a business for 50 million or 2 million. So.
0: Yeah, you, you, you definitely strike me as someone who is now tuned to himself and you're not doing it for anyone else other than yourself you are yourself you know in your in your business in your podcast and your own podcast and the way you go about it you know your very distinctive approach it's it's so far from corporate it's 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 great but um i'm just wondering if there's any if this is spawn out of anything that's happened in your personal life you've talked about the difficulties of being in cornwall around i'm sure it's a beautiful place um but kind of lacking that fulfillment or that kind of you know that, that yeah. diversity, the, the you know, the hardship of being a chef and the on the long hours. I understand you're a father. I mean, is there anything that's kind of happened to you or your darkest moments that's called led you to believe around money isn't the most important thing, your happiness is?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's a really good point. And um, yeah, just to be really clear of um, you know, family stuff. Um my personal thing is I keep my family um off social media and um it's it's something i don't talk about and uh, blah 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 but yeah. what one thing i i can <clears throat> say is that um you know in my life there's been um probably multiple um you know like i said my family separated when i was born i've had separations from my daughter's mum, right. and you know, i've separated from uh, a 14 year job, you know, so that there's been mm. separations in my, in my life. And I, I personally, not the type of person that will look back and worry about the, the situation. I'm kind of made my decision and then we'll try and do everything I can to uh, move forward and be positive out of the situation. Um, I don't, Talk about anything negative on social media. Yeah, another thing. You know, um I don't really, and I don't want to sound fortunate, or I don't want to sound, um I don't know what the word is, but I don't know, ungrateful. But I, I really don't get too down, or I don't yeah. really get too. You know, you mentioned dark places for me. You know, I've experienced people going through dark places, Mm. especially over the last year, and, you know, close people to me. But, yeah, for me, I don't really... um, I'm not really a down person. Mm. And jokes aside, you know, my daughter will say to me, Daddy, you know, I wish you were more emotional. And And I try and explain to her and say to her, you know there's good and bad things about being emotional is that, you know, you've got mum there. If you've got, you need emotional support. And if you want someone who can give you non-emotional support and give you frank, honest support, I'm here for you. And hopefully I can cut through some of the emotional things in part of life, which, you know, may affect you that I can give you some, maybe Frank feedback. So, uh, but it's definitely something I'm working on. Is trying to be more, uh, more emotional and more, uh, <laughs> more better with my daughter, especially with uh, when she, when we're communicating.
0: Thank you. I mean, I find that fascinating. I think with with men, us men, we we, we all find it quite difficult. Most of us do to, to open up and be that kind of you know show that more feminine side that more emotional side is historically it's is the women that, that are able and more comfortable to do that um it's only lately in the last couple of years myself i've opened up quite a lot and i found it really therapeutic to, in doing so i mean a lot of the times it's a defense mechanism isn't it uh, because of some previous trauma or i mean is there is there any can you think of any reasons why you you, you do struggle to do that or is it, a, or you feel there's just no need to be that that way
1: Yeah, it's it's a tough question, Chris. Um, I think, I think just mentally being quite independent as a child, you know, there's a choice to, you know, get her attention or potentially just pick yourself up and get on with it. And I think that's been ingrained in my life quite a lot. And, um, Yeah, once again, I don't want to put anything negative on my parents, but, you know, I didn't have a lot of um, sport when I was a child. You know, maybe I wasn't interested in it. Maybe it was more me than them. But, um, yeah, so, um, you know, a lot of things that a lot of kids have gone through that maybe I haven't. And, Mm. you know, I've been quite an independent person. And I think kind of not fighting, but, like, just being – spending a lot of time on your own – yeah I, I don't need potentially emotional s- support maybe like some people yeah. and maybe I don't I don't talk about it a lot and uh but yeah I, I could put my hand on my heart and say I wake up in the morning positive and yeah I can see that yeah, yeah so um I'm yeah I'm not a very negative and yeah I no. try and be positive as I as I possibly can and not try and be yeah. that doomy gloomy person.
0: No, I think that's a great outlook. I think uh, particularly uh, these days, although we're coming out of COVID supposedly, you know, you, you have to have that positive attitude. You talked about your parents separated before you were born, I think you said. Um, and obviously you, you moved away from Cornwall, you lost your business. Um, <clears throat> and so you must have separated from your, your 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 daughter's mother as well. Was there any kind of, ramifications or dark moments there that you'd like to touch on around how you use that kind of adversity to, to work to, to better yourself now.
1: Yeah. And just, just, just to stress for the podcast, me and daughter's mum has an amazing relationship and, and uh, yeah, nothing. um, There's no negative there. And, um, but um, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point, Chris. And I think I was never, I was never I was more embarrassed than anything else um at the time, there was a lot of people coming to me for coaching and advice, and I was kind of helping a lot of people out and But I felt I failed, and that was kind of I was embarrassed that you know I was giving communication advice, business yeah. advice, but I couldn't even manage my own relationship. So what what I ended up doing was just keeping myself to myself for three to six months, Mm -hmm. didn't go out, just stayed at home and just kind of avoided people. And, and then really it clicked like, you know, I need to move on. We all need to move on. You know, and um, me and my daughter's mum have the have a saying like "What's best for my daughter?" You know that's number one priority. Yep. So, however we're feeling is is zero. It's it's all about my daughter. So um, yeah. And I just realised I started becoming a recluse, put on a bit of weight, and then realised, okay, you know I need to get back out of there. Life goes on.
0: Yeah.
1: Face some of these people that, and I I started speaking to them. They're like, "Don't be ashamed," you know eight out of 10 of our friends have divorced or separated. Yeah. So, you know, you're not the only person and life goes on. So uh, sort yourself out and uh, let's have a beer, you know? So, uh, yeah. That's good. I mean, yeah. going
0: back to when you were 18, I think you said you were that 18-year-old chef. I mean, if you were to live your life again, uh, what would you tell your 18 self, 18-year-old self now? Great question. Um,
1: yeah, I, I would definitely... Um, I really feel that, um, chefing was a stamp on my adulthood of hard work grafting. And, um, I think anyone that's worked with me will know that there's, there's uh, a start and an end and I'll work solid throughout that period. And, um, yeah, I, I don't shy away from grafting. Okay. Um, Would 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 I do it? Would I do it again? Yeah, I love food. I love I love the hours. I love the stress. Yeah. Um. It 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 was great, and maybe I should have got out of it. Two years was good grounding. Got out of two years, and then it wasn't my life and soul passion. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. I didn't want everyone another weird thing I never really wanted to set up my own restaurant so right. most chefs dreams is to set up a, ref- yeah. a restaurant so but yeah um, yeah it's a tough And what, what, what did you want to do? What, what were you doing when you were 18? God I was in college mate I was
0: uh, had about three or four different jobs and was trying to trying to sort of build out uh, I was working for a call centre actually um, but uh, I wanted to get away from my parents quite a lot actually and just be just try and build a life for myself so um you know, it's it's a quite difficult question to answer, isn't it? But I think what the one piece of advice I would give myself is probably actually to slow down a little bit and just be a bit more kind of kind of uh, measured with some of my decisions. I was quite quite rash back then and just kind of went <laughs> the biggest, shiniest thing, the quickest thing, you know. But then, yeah, you know, you've got to live your life as well, haven't you? So,
1: yeah, I think a lot of I think a lot of people are thinking like that at the moment. Actually, just like you know, how can we become a millionaire? yeah in a year and stuff and uh you know i would love to sp- speak to people like that and say okay you're a millionaire now what's next
0: yeah it doesn't you know it doesn't uh equal success or happiness is it as, as we both yeah know. exactly yeah i'd take my hat off to you around your approach because i mean there are a lot of people in this world that they stay in jobs or they stay in businesses for the money or for for the next kind of shiny shiny thing but actually um myself um you know, my richness is in my, in the fulfillment in the work that I do. And I get that sense from you. You're, you're, you're maybe not as rich as what you were financially, but in terms of your purpose and your fulfillment and what you do day in, day out, you're probably the richest you've ever been. Would you say that's true?
1: Yeah, of course, I think that's spot on, really. It's, um, yeah, finance, all, all my life, I've been thinking like money, money, money. And I think now it's about... Cr- um, having fun, mm. you know, um, doing what you do, bringing happiness to people, yeah. uh, helping people, you know, I think last year I was cooking for the, uh, NHS every day and, you know, the amount of messages of support I got yeah, it really hit me home. Like, you know, like I think I could have won, won the lottery and probably wouldn't or sold a business and, but yeah. people wouldn't have said congratulations as much as they did as that period. And I think, you know, why do people want the money? Is it because they want these messages of, you know, fulfillment from people and stuff? Yeah. Um, I, I definitely feel that, you know, if you want that recognition then there's so much more you can do than make money to prove yourself. And, um, I definitely think um, something that I'm going to think about and try and do more is to to do more for charity than help, help yeah. people. And right. yeah, you know, you do listen to your audience. You do listen to what people are saying and, you know, you put a new picture of a car up on your Instagram and yeah. you're hoping for a, a thousand likes, but <laughs> maybe the truth of the matter is, you know, you know, some people put things up, they do for charity and they're going, Oh, well, there he goes again. He's trying to look for, you know but on the flip side Mm. he is doing something positive for a charity and yeah he is doing something trying to be better so maybe it is worth you know every time you get a just giving link yeah 10 pound give 20 pound um it all
0: helps i think you touched on something quite important there. actually you know it's funny how you can put a picture of uh, a new watch or, or a nice car or a nice house on, on, on Instagram and get a thousand likes and you can put something really meaningful about what you've done in a in a soup kitchen or to feed the homeless and it can go the other way or people will automatically assume oh he's only doing that for his own gain and it's and I, I just I find that um, it actually really frustrates me but I think um, ultimately um, it's what you think counts is not it I think.
1: look there's always going to be trolls and things like that and um mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything negative on social media, it just goes straight over my, my head. I'm quite leather skin and nothing over the last five years on social media, since I've been doing more of it has really affected me. Cause you know, if your friend tells you, okay, Paul, you're doing something wrong. You, I think you listen, but I yeah. think if someone doesn't know you and they're giving you feedback or calling you names, yeah it really does you know you put yourself out there you you are going to get people who don't always agree with that or feel the same energy
0: i mean on that on that point actually I'd like to quiz your brains and also if you to hopefully provide some value to the audience around people who are setting out on social media or people who are struggling with social media or people who are just on social media quite a lot these days you have to be on social media if you want to grow your business i think but what what sort of tips would you would you give and I, I think you've had a post where you've had hundreds of thousands of likes i read somewhere was it million likes? i can't even yeah you know but talk to me about kind of the the pitfalls the highs and lows and the strategy you've adopted around not just being successful but kind of dealing with the the repercussions of having to be on it all the time basically
1: yeah so i tell everyone this when we're working together it's is up to you social media should never be a chore uh have fun with it and obviously, knowing when to uh, put your phone down, you know, yeah. you can live your life through your phone, blah, blah, blah. You know, you, you're at a restaurant, all you're doing is taking pictures, enjoy the company of the person next to you. So yeah. that believe it or not, people who, who follow me probably think I'm on my social media 24-7. But normally, I will uh, go and I'll film for an hour, get the best bits and upload. And yes. uh, the rest of the time, I'm quite chilled. But I think... You know, social media, you've got to be constant. You know, you've got to be constantly putting that up there. Doesn't mean it has to be daily or hourly, but if you post every week, then keep it going every week. And I think that's really important. Um, Don't overthink what you're posting. Um, Keep it authentic, which means record it once, post it. And, you know, hit that's what I do. And the other thing is I don't always watch my stuff back. Probably 90%. I don't watch my stuff back. And some people may argue saying, well, if you want to grow, you should be tweaking yourself. But mm. my view is I can see what's going on with the accounts, what people are liking and are not. Uh, and if there's higher numbers, then try and do that stuff more. And the stuff that's not working so well, try not to do that so much It's simple mm. a versus B. Yeah um testing. So um but yeah, and I think um when it comes down to comments and communicating with people, you know, really understand that you're gonna have a lot of cheerleaders out there that like your stuff. Yeah. And for every 20 cheerleader there's gonna be one negative. If you can think about that from day one, yeah, you're fine. And never ever worry about who's gonna see it and what's your client gonna think. I bet you your client will only see one or two posts a year that you do anyway. So, um, yeah. yeah.
0: Great stuff. And before we kind of wrap up, um, is there any moment in your life that's been, or what is your darkest moment? And perhaps as, as an addition to that, any advice around coping with difficulty, trauma strategy, be it personal business or anything like that?
1: Yeah. So, um, I think this year has been really tough. um, for a lot of people in my network, I like to think I'm either a nine or a 10 each day, you know, like, um, I really not, um, too affected by a lot of things, but, you know, I have dealt with being the closest person to two people who phoned me up over the last year who said they were going to take their lives. Wow. And, you know, it's, it's something that I've had to, you know, reflect on. And especially with, you know, the best to get out of me would probably be have a beer and let's, um, come on, mate, pull yourself out of it. And that's kind of what I need. Mm. But, you know, the second that I got the calls from these people, I phoned friends for advice. And because I know that I can be that type of person to just says, come on, mate, let's go and have a drink yeah, and it's yeah, all sure. going to be okay. And I think knowing that in this 2021 is very important that there's a lot more depth to mental health and health issues than just trying to go for a drink with someone and it's all Mm. going to be okay. So, um, yeah, that's, that's something I've definitely, um, learned this year and, you know, just, just trying to touch base with people, try and test the water, make sure they're okay. And, Mm. um, I think it's very important. And a, a lot of people have known that I've been on my own this year and I've observed that people have, all right, Paul, how are you? How was everything? And I'm like, all right, mate, I'm fine. But you know, yeah, I can, I can tell, you know, that they know I'm on my own and I've got no one around me. So, um, mm. yeah, it's really nice that you know, I've got them friends and yeah. I was never angry, but I just was aware that, you know, like, yeah. And I think it's, um, yeah, I think. Yeah, at the moment, mental health. I think everyone's just got to be super aware. And mm. you know, after this, I'm gonna probably message a few more people just to make sure that everyone's all right. But um, yeah, I
0: think it's it's practicing what you preach as well, isn't it? I think you know, it, if you're the person who's always kind of there as a support or the lively or the positive one, it doesn't mean that you don't suffer yourself or don't have your own mental health challenges. We all have mental health. Uh, we all got a mind. And I think um, when someone asks me how I am. I, I tell them how I am, and you know, if I am feeling anxious, I'll tell them. And uh, you know, I think the stigma is going uh, a little bit around that, around just being open and honest. But I think you're right; it's not just a question of let's go down the pub and drink it, drink it out, or hug it out. You know, it's 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 a it's an ongoing, like a muscle, is it an ongoing thing? And um, it's guys like you on social media uh, who've got a presence who who can actually make a real difference. I think.
1: Yeah, and I think. Um... Yeah, I think I th- it's, I feel, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, the downside of social media is a lot of people want the perfect life and, you know, want the detached house, they want the Porsche outside, you know, mm. the family not splitting up, you know, you know that's, you know, their life goals. And, you know, I'll, put, I'll be really honest, like my life goal was, you know, to be the best dad I possibly could after not having a, a close family around myself so yeah you know i think that's when i was in my probably lowest point of my life and it, it wasn't dark it was just more of an embarrassment but it was just tough in the aspect of it just you know i am now i think i'm in a place where i don't care what other people think but maybe when i was in that place I really did care about what people thought Mm. and it was building that pressure on me of trying to make other people happy versus myself.
0: Yeah, I guess you kind of have to
1: be in that place in that situation to to, to know what
0: it's like, but also you can see in other people as well. So um, I think your advice there is um, kind of, don't be afraid to be open and be yourself, man, woman, child, whatever, Uh, father, brother, sister, you know, it's it's it affects us all, and uh you're never out the woods either, are you? You know, even when it's almost, even when things are going really well, that's when you should even, you know, think about hiring a coach or or have a have a counselor or or, or have a um, accountability partner. I think it's really important um to consistently have some form of personal development and some sort of mental health
1: support as well. I always say to my business partner when we're having a good couple of months back to back, I say, mate watch out, mm. here comes the jab, here comes the hook, it's coming. That's so, cool. uh, yeah, so, you know, there's always something that comes out of the woodwork, whether it be something you can't control or you can c- control. Mm. And um, I think just be mentally prepared for that and uh, life is a roller coaster. You never know what's next. Very true. What's well, Foscombe used
0: to say, life's a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I'm sure you've seen that film as well. It's, it's, very, oh, yeah, it's yeah. very true though, isn't it? Um yeah, yeah. Before we kind of wrap up, is there any kind of tips or advice or observations that you've had over your life in your business career, your personal career that you feel would benefit the audience?
1: Yeah, I think um, don't just don't worry about don't worry about things. Um, Yeah, I, I think this is probably the best thing is don't worry about things that you can't control. So um, only worry about things you can control. So don't worry about what happens if your client doesn't like the CV you're going to send or, yeah. you know, send the best CVs. And if he likes them, he likes them. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't want to work with you, find another client. I think, you know, living your life to the max is really important. And trying to live a life with no worry mm. is, you know, okay, we've all got a pay the bills and feed our family. But yeah, I think if you can minimize your outgoings as much as you possibly can Mm. and cut as much worry and stress out of your life and just, you know, enjoy and do the things that you enjoy, spending time with your friends, family, holidays, whatever that is, and then try and double down on that and take away as much stress as you possibly can. I think that's right. I think um one of the things I've learned as well is that um, particularly with my children is that it's,
0: it's experiences over material things. So I, at Christmas and birthdays, I always try to do the whole experience thing as opposed to, you know, the the, the the shiny new object. And I think that's with yourself as well. It's about enjoying the journey rather than this mystical, material, you know, destination of, you know, a Ferrari and a picket fence, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Look, get a Ferrari if you, if you follow, get a Ferrari <laughs> yeah. get a Get a Ferrari. Do you know what I'll even say? You know, if you think Ferrari's gonna make you happy, get a Ferrari and then sell it and then do <laughs> other stuff, you know. But yeah. you know, you know, you've been to Monaco, Ibiza, Vegas, mm. you know, it is great, you know, and you know, um I think once you've done it and you've done it multiple times, you know, sometimes it's nice just to go to Cornwall and relax mm. or Go to the Peak District or yeah you know. Definitely. Yeah. Paul, it's been an absolute
0: pleasure having you on. Um, where can the audience or the viewers best locate you these days?
1: Yeah, sure. LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, everywhere, Facebook, Paul Brown underscore UK. And yeah, always DMs open. So if you ever want to talk about anything or anything you've listened to on this podcast, I'll be happy to uh, open up and tell you more. Mate, thanks so much for that. It was really insightful. Love having you on. Cheers no thanks chris and mate well done for everything you're doing helping everyone out i think it's really really good and um you know very impressive that you know what you've achieved and that and now what you're doing so uh, well done mate thanks, thanks very much mate cheers the purpose
0: Led leadership podcast is sponsored by vin cherry our all-in-one crm and ats platform purpose built for recruitment and staffing agencies i chose to partner with vin because honestly i'm a customer they keep me competitive, plug into my calendar and email and make the whole admin part of my job as a recruiter a hell of a lot easier. The purpose of the Leadership Podcast list is to get 25% of FinCherries onboarding. So if you're looking for a recruitment CRM to accelerate your growth, check them out at incherryio forward slash Chris O'Connell.